0: Put your hands together for God. Did I hear somebody say, praise God? Praise God. All right. God can hear you, but the neighbors couldn't hear you. Did I hear somebody say, praise God, let the neighbors hear you? Praise God. Okay. (laughs) The song you just heard is very much in alignment with our scripture today from Psalm 126. And in fact, that last praise God that we did as a congregation pales in comparison to what was shouted in our Scripture today from Psalm 126. The psalm before you today is a story. It's a journey. It's a journey of people who have gone from mourning to praising. It's a story of a people who have gone from exile and captivity and fear and defeat and disappointment to praise. It's the story of ultimate victory. In our Scripture today, the word that's used is the word rejoice, but it really doesn't describe what was happening. It's more than just rejoicing. It's praise that bubbles up from the inside and is released in laughter and shouting and mighty praising, abundant praising. The psalm that you heard today is a psalm that was shared by the people as part of their entry into worship. They started to mouth the words of this psalm before they even left for worship, very much like as Janice read this scripture as a lone voice, that's how they started. On worship day, they began to pray these words silently in their heart. Most of them walked to worship, and as they walked, they said these words. They thought about their story, they spoke from their soul, they prayed. Begin like this. When God restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. It's a dream you could barely hear, but you knew it was there. It's a dream you didn't even fully perceive, but you knew the dream was growing. But as they were on this journey telling their story, praying this prayer, one would meet up with another on their way to worship. And soon two would become three, and three would become four, and family would join with family. And what began as a dream became a shout of praise. It became a hymn. It became a time of rejoicing. They would see their beloved going to worship with them, and they would say, our mouth was filled with laughter. Life was bubbling up from inside them. Our tongue was shouts of joy. It was said, among the nations, far and wide, the Lord has done great things for them. Once we were captive, but now we're free. Once we were doubting, but now we believe. Once we were afraid, but now we have courage. God has done great things for us. Rejoice! Rejoice! Dream from the inside. Live from the inside. Those who mourn now laugh. The journey of tears has become a journey of victory. This whole idea was embodied in how they went about creating the harvest. Scripture says that they sowed in tears. They planted in tears. How do we plant today? Well, in our day, it's great big machines that distribute the seeds. Acre after acre. Today, a seed can be planted having never been touched by a human hand. In ancient times, every seed was priceless and precious. Every seed was a seed of hope. And they planted tenderly. They planted from their soul. They planted with their tears. In fact, one of their beliefs was that seeds planted with tears would create a more abundant harvest. So they actually were purposeful in their grieving and in their mourning as they planted. It's like they were planting from the very depths of their souls. They also believed That seeds planted with tears would produce better grain or better fruit. So they were planting seeds from the deepest part of who they were. The hope in our scripture today is that God takes our tears and makes them seeds that become something victorious with time and with faith. You may not feel that way when you're weeping. It may be difficult to see what's on the other side of the tears. Sometimes when we are in that place, it's hard to see anything else. We, we, we don't hear the Christmas music. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It feels like it's never gonna feel like Christmas. It's just not happening. All we can taste or see are these tears. And yet what God promises in our Scripture today is that there will be a harvest. On the other side of tears, there is the victory. So the challenge before us is how do we live in the fullness of this victory? How do we plant our lives in the good soil of faith, knowing that God will take what we offer and transform it. One of the images that comes through is that planting for the ancient poets was a daily thing. It was something that they offered as part of their moment-by-moment life. Most of us are not gardeners, so how do we make the planting of seeds towards ultimate victory a daily thing? Well, sometimes it's in things that may not seem to make that big a difference. Sometimes it's the small victories, the daily victories, making a difference in our world. Sometimes it's as simple as treating the person who checks you out in the line as a person. Sometimes it means being courteous to the person serving you in a restaurant. That's a victory in our world. Sometimes it's driving with a sense of generosity. Sometimes it's taking action when everyone around you is complacent. Sometimes it's staying calm when everyone around you is panicking. It's a daily thing. It's moment-by-moment trust knowing that God will take these small actions, God will take these seeds and transform them into something meaningful. Sometimes the action comes before the feeling. When we're in the mourning place, in the weeping place, when we're at that point on the journey, sometimes everything around us looks gray. Everybody else is laughing, rejoicing, celebrating. and Yet all we see is gray. It's through our faithful actions and the faithful plantings of seeds that we begin to see color again, that we begin to align ourselves with the people of Scripture who planted their seeds with tears and then begin to dance and move and see color again, see life again, see God breaking through again. The shouts of joy became shouts of life and hope. After we'd been together 15 years and we broke up, I never thought I would love again. And Yet I see something in your eyes that says that love might be possible. Oh, I had the dream job. It was perfect. I loved my co-workers. I loved what I was doing. But how could I have ever predicted this economy? And yet a new opportunity opens. Life opens. You move again, you dance again, you believe again. You see the seed starting to grow. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a daily thing. Oh, we wish it would happen overnight. (laughs) Don't you just wish that someone could just zap us into transformation? And and somehow we have been taught to expect that. I mean, come on, you can get chicken fried steak from your microwave in a minute and a half. Why can't I be transformed now? And I think that sometimes we even come to church with that expectation. We find our place here, and we're maybe a little down, maybe a little depressed. And we just expect somebody to say something, or sing something, or do something in that worship service to lead to immediate, immediate rejoicing and transformation. Poof! You're happy. Poof, you're healed. Poof, it's all better now. And yet, that isn't how it works. The seed is watered. The seed is hidden in a dark place. The seed is hidden in a place where no one notices it. The seed may even be forgotten. And then the tears come. The nourishment comes. The life comes. And that seed that appeared so dead begins to move. You don't see it moving. You don't even feel it moving. You don't perceive it moving. And yet that seed is becoming something more. And that's what God does with our pain. That's what God does with our stuck places. The dailiness of the journey. The small victories become the victory journey. We do the right things over and over and over again with no immediate payback. And then the right things become the strong life. And the strong life becomes a life of victory. Oh, the victory journey, it's watered with tears. It's a daily journey, and sometimes it's a journey where you need to just watch for the victory because the victory may not be readily apparent. Sometimes you have to count your victory where you can find it. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Parents have to sometimes look for the victory. (laughs) My uh, hero is my brother. He is a um, single parent, Raising four daughters, and every time I go to visit him, it's like being in the very midst of a miracle. And uh, I I watch how he kind of works with them, and loves them, and nurtures them. How he lets some things kind of go. Go ahead and throw the cereal everywhere. No big deal. (laughs) But but when it comes to how they treat each other, he's he's a real stickler on that. He's a he's a stickler on the relationship thing. And um, I was there one morning, and one of the challenges is the older daughter Savannah sometimes tries to be mommy for the younger and that leads to all kinds of challenges one morning I was there and Savannah was trying to intervene between the younger girls and one of them said Savannah you're not the mommy daddy's the mommy <laughs> victory it's, it's, it's about making the relationships work one of my colleagues Becca Stevens founded an organization that helps provide residential housing for women overcoming drug and alcohol abuse. Real heart for people, real heart for transformed lives. With her leadership of that organization called Magdalene House, she also has to go to board meetings. That's part of it. She's also a parent. And she described a situation where she had to find victory where she could find it. I want to share this in her own words. I had to go to a board meeting... And my friend had just called to say she wouldn't be able to come and care for my 18-month-old son. I got what I thought was a really great idea. I thought, I'll just take my son with me to the board meeting. (laughs) But on the way, I'll buy some M&Ms. He has never had such a great treat. And I will feed them to him one at a time while he plays quietly under the table. My plan worked great for about the first seven minutes. He was under the table with several toys, and I had a fistful of M&Ms ready to give him if he got really loud. We were just beginning to go over the budget when I experienced the closest thing I have ever known to all hell breaking loose. My son started screaming, and I bent down to give him an M&M. I opened my hand and I saw what looked like a rainbow smeared with mud all glistening against my sweaty palm. He screamed again. The board members stared at me. I looked for something to wipe my hands on so I could pick him up. Now I had heard on television ever since I was a child that M&Ms melt in your mouth, not in your hand. (laughs) It's a lie, I thought. (laughs) M&Ms do melt in your hand And if they have lied to me about this What else are they lying to me about <laughs> I was feeling betrayed by advertisements And by a culture that says It's okay for people to lie in advertisements M&Ms do in fact Really melt fast in your hand Especially if you're nervous And I was in a panic Looking for something to wipe my hands on Ah The meeting agenda I picked it up and began to wipe my hands on the agenda, apologizing to everyone. That's the moment that I knew it. That's the moment that it was time to start being real. That was the moment when it was time to start dismantling my illusions. It was not going to work for me to attend a board meeting when my son needed real food. So I got real, I got honest, I stood up, I said goodbye, and left the room holding my son. On the way out, I remember beginning to form thoughts, thoughts about how all of us operate under illusions of grandeur, illusions of grandeur about ourselves, our faith, our system, even our candy. Yet if we are to live victoriously, sometimes we must set aside those illusions and trust our hearts. Sometimes victory is seeing victory beyond the illusions. Sometimes victory is realizing that victory is not victory as it's defined by others. Victory is not necessarily having that padded bank account. Victory is not necessarily being able to walk in a room with everybody knowing you and greeting you and welcoming you. Sometimes victory is defining life in simple ways, in simple yet strong ways, in simple yet real ways. Sometimes victory is realizing we don't have to be good enough anymore. We don't have to be impressive anymore. We don't have to wow everybody anymore. I mean, that kind of illusion of grandeur, it's such a struggle. It carries its own threats and dangers because we find ourselves becoming who everybody else wants us to be. Victory is not necessarily being the good kid anymore, trying to please our family one more Christmas time. Victory is not going there and being who they expect us to be at the table. It's being real. How do we define victory in our lives? I think it comes down to the secret my brother knows. It's about relationship. But it's not a relationship if it's fake. And sometimes the real relationships only come through real tears. What is the picture of a victorious life? It may surprise us. Lauren Winner describes someone who discovered victory in their later years.
1: Recently, I went to visit Barbara, who lives in a retirement community a few miles from a house. Barbara's life has narrowed in recent years. Her partner has passed, as has her only child, and most of her friends. She lives on a tight budget, and her body is frail. For the last 20 years, she has had also a series of medical problems. When I first started visiting Barbara, I mistakenly thought that I was doing her a nice favor, you know, using my precious time to cheer up an elderly woman who had few companions. In fact, the opposite is true. It really is Barbara who's doing me a favor by giving me a picture, well, really an icon, of a victorious life well-lived. One day, Barbara said to me, dear, I think you feel just the tiniest bit sorry for me. I had to admit that I did. Well, dear, she said, don't waste time pitying me. Of course, sometimes I miss my family and my health. Yet my God is keeping me company even now, and that gives me plenty of joy. Of course, I also appreciate your visits. During this season, when many are delighting in giving and receiving presents, in holiday travel and in completion of fall projects or work at school, it's been a blessing for me to visit Barbara. She has no family left, she will not be traveling this Christmas, and the presents she will exchange will be modest. By most standards, she doesn't have much to rejoice in, yet, Then her mouth was filled with laughter and her tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for her. And we rejoiced.
0: The victory journey, it grows with the seed of tears. The victory journey, it's a daily thing. Small victories each day leading to a great victory. The victory journey, sometimes you have to look to find the victory, but it's there and the victory journey, it's real. It's a bond illusion. It's a journey from the heart. Amen.